Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It's good to be with you again. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Please feel free to send along a comment on our contact form on our website at johnwarrenmedia.com or send an email directly to me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com. You encourage me. I am grateful to get to do this work. And I'm excited about our conversation today. Uh, Last week, we talked about God as judge or the justice of God. And today, we're going to talk about something that might seem a little little contradictory, perhaps, the patience of God, God's patience, or the old word, the old King James word was long-suffering. We've had lots of conversations about God's attributes, and some of them are a little more academic. Well, this, this one's more inspirational, I think. It's, it's, uh, we're going to focus on the majesty, the beauty of God's patience. You, you've probably heard some, I guess, well-intended, but not so great teaching on the fact that you better not pray for patience because it comes from tribulation or suffering. Unless you want tribulation or suffering, don't pray for patience. Well, we, we treat God like, you know, he administers karma or is a cosmic vending machine of some kind. And that's just not true. God is patient. It's in his essence to be patient. We've got example after example after example in scripture of God's patience. Our conclusion today at the end of our discussion will be that God's patience softens our hearts. It humbles us. It makes us pliable. It it brings us to repentance. Of all of our studies of God's attributes, this one is among the most beautiful and majestic. It, it's really funny. I, I, as I prepare various lessons and I'm, I'm teaching a, a series at my church right now and doing these podcast episodes, and uh, I often say to my wife almost every week, this one is the most beautiful topic in this series. And then I'll, next week I'll say, well, you know what? This one is more beautiful. And this one, the, the fact is, they're all in a tie for first. They're all beautiful. So we, we sometimes, we get this, this particular doctrine wrong. We, in our society, we really don't like to think of patience or slowness to anger we, we, as a strength. We think of it as a weakness. We, we, we'll call it apathy. But today we're going to see that it's a strength that we should embrace even in our own lives, like so many of these attributes. We'll see that God's patience to us is an invitation to come home and an open door, a path to repentance. Patience in the New Testament is often this word macrothymia. Sorry, Greek scholars, I probably butchered that English pronunciation. It's a noun that means bearing with or endurance or steadfastness or forbearance or patience. The New Testament has two Greek words that can be translated patience, but this one is the most common. It's a compound word from makros or makros, which means long, long in time or long in space, far away. 
and thymus, which means anger or passion. So long in space or far away anger or passion. Hypomeno is a second Greek word translated patient or patience. It's, it's, less, it's used less often and often means endure, remain, or to abide under. This word is usually translated endure rather than patience, frankly, but it's used in Romans 12 to reference persevering in tribulation. In, in uh, verse 12 of Romans chapter 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. It's also used by John in the Revelation. The word is used really when the concept communicated is closer to endurance rather than this slowing of anger or wrath. That word is often the word macrothymia. So God's patience and long-suffering, and I'm not going to get in the academic weeds here, but they're thought of by some theologians as separate from his grace and mercy. And we, we can point out those in, uh, distinctions, but... We're going to focus on the beauty of these truths. All of his attributes are part of each other. His essence is one. We've, we've addressed that quite thoroughly week after week in this series. The patience of God is not written about per se, not named as such, although it's referenced again and again. It's not really clearly delineated in Scripture very much. Those, those words that I just mentioned, those Greek words, for patient or patience only appear about 35 times in the English Standard Version. Almost all of those are macrothymia. The concept is, is referenced other places, this being slow to anger, God being slow to anger, but, but not, not terribly often. So many theologians don't write about this attribute of God, God's patience. If you go get a book on, on God's God's attributes, you, you might not see patience among those attributes because many theologians consider God's long-suffering or patience to be part of all of his other attributes, and that's true. All of the attributes are part of each other, and some just don't treat patience as a separate attribute. But we see in this passage we talked about last time in Exodus 34, we see very clearly God's patience at the, at the giving of the law. In verse 6 of Exodus 34, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, here it is, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and of the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. God's patience, his steadfast love, and his faithfulness bring us to worship him, to repentance. Forgiving uh, iniquity and sin, as I mentioned last week, seems to contradict who will by no means clear the guilty, but the forgiveness of God is only possible through Jesus Christ. I don't know how anyone can read this section and not see that it points to the cross of Jesus Christ to his finished work. It's pointing us to the gospel. The guilty won't be cleared apart from the finished work of Jesus Christ. And as we said last week, there's also a, a truth about the enduring impact of sin. This clearing of our record of sin does not, does not eliminate the enduring impact of sin. 
you, you can see as you look at this passage, God's love, grace, mercy, faithfulness, and patience. So God, God is faithful to bless us with his grace and mercy and to display his wrath towards sin. And this, this exercise of patience, of God being slow to anger, prompts Moses to bow and worship. This, again, God's patience produces humble repentance in, in us. I, this is kind of cool, and I, I don't want to overstate this, but there, there are two Hebrew words that are translated together, slow to anger. Arek, A-R-E-K, is patient or slow, and ap, A-P, is anger or wrath, patient or slow, anger or wrath. Interestingly, these words could literally be translated, slow nostrils. <laughs> the picture is an angry animal breathing rapidly. Slow down that breathing. It's, it's, it's patience. We don't think of anger and wrath as part of God's patience, a discussion of his anger and wrath, but God does. This, this withholding of anger and wrath is part of his patience and doesn't compromise the rest of his character. But by this point, if you've been listening, you know that God is judicially perfect. We see this in this section of Exodus. God's love, his, his forbearance, his patience, grace, and mercy do not compromise his righteousness. We see this in, in Psalm 86, 15. This, this section in Exodus is quoted. It's quoted many times throughout Scripture. I think this is, this is just beautiful. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Abounding. The patience of God is really a display of his mercy. But the two can be differentiated, and I want to talk about a guy uh, just briefly, Stephen Sharnock, a Puritan who defines God's patience as part of the divine goodness and mercy, and yet he says it differs from both. God being the greatest goodness has the greatest mildness, he says, Mildness is always the companion of true goodness. And the greater the goodness, the greater the mildness. Who is as holy and meek as Christ? God's slowness to anger is a branch of his mercy. Psalm 145, we see it again. Verse 8, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Verse 9, the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. A.W. Pink says that the mercies, but mercy's object is fallen man. Mercy sees the creature as miserable. Patience sees the creature as criminal. Mercy pities him in his misery and patience bears with the sin which produced the misery and is giving birth to more. Divine patience is the power of control which God exercises over himself, causing him to bear with the wicked and delay so long in punishing him. Yes, the purpose of God's patience is to bring us to repentance. We see this, this notion again that we read about in Exodus 34 in Nahum chapter 1, verse 3, the Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. Isn't that something? Sharnock, the Puritan I quoted a minute ago, he says that men who are great in the world are quick in passion and are not ready to forgive an injury or bear with an offender as one of a lower rank. 
isn't that true? We often think of, of, of patience as weakness and this passion, this fire as a strength. We'll say, oh, he has fire in his belly. But I go on with the Sharnak quote, it is the want of power over that man's self that makes him do unbecoming things when provoked. A prince that, that can bridle his passions is a king over himself as well as his subjects. God is slow to anger because he is great in power. He has as much power over himself as over his creatures. We rarely talk about the development of patience in ourselves. It is, as I said earlier, it's as if we fear this character trait. When we need to employ patience, we often reference it as a timeout, a, a pause, or taking a moment. Scripture describes God's patience as much more purposeful and intentional. If we, if we could see patience the way God sees it, we would embrace this character trait as an asset that we exercise on ourselves, a strength that reveals God's work in us. Though we benefit from God's patience, and we do, the patience of God primarily concerns himself. His mercy is completely settled on us, A.W. Pink says, but his patience is that divine attribute which causes him to endure great insults without immediately avenging himself. He has a power of patience as well as a power of justice. We see this again in Nehemiah 9, the slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We see it again in Psalm 103.8, slow to anger. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We see this, this concept that we read about in Exodus 34 again and again in Scripture. Moses is quoting God's promises uh, to, in God's word to him as he pleads with him in Numbers 14. Well, if we look at Romans 9, verse 22, we see the power of God's patience displayed. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has, here it is, endured with much patience the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Patience there is that word macrothymia. Isn't that beautiful that God wants to bring glory to himself through his patience, enduring with much patience vessels of wrath? Well, the wicked interpret God's patience rather poorly. And I find this to be so true even in my own heart sometimes. Ecclesiastes 8.11 because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Sometimes we treat God like this cosmic vending machine or this administrator of karma that we mentioned earlier, and we think, wow, I got away with that. I'll do some more. It is a terrible mistake, isn't it, to view God's patience as lackness, laxness. God rarely practices swift justice. He does sometimes. I mean, there's always Ananias and Sapphira we could think about. But even then, I don't think he, he was hasty. I think he was patient. 
his timelessness or, or this, this long view of, of life's lessons that we should have based on God's being timeless, it's just not consistent with our desire for swift justice, swift punishment. We sometimes miss valuable lessons when we, we seek to mete out justice or punishment swiftly, don't we? I even think about that in parenting. I, I think about it with my students sometimes. I need to be patient. We can see in Romans 15 the purpose of God's patience toward us. It is to prompt us to glorify God by living in kindness toward each other even. Romans 15, 5-7, May the God of endurance and, and encouragement grant you or give you to live in such harmony with one another in, accord, in, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. God is both the object and author of the grace of patience in his children. This is what he is in himself. Patience is one of his perfections, and this is a pattern for us. Paul summarizes the beauty of the Christian life in a passage in Colossians. The, 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 the gentleness described here prompts the peace of Christ, as, as Paul explains it. In Colossians 3, 12 and following. Listen to this. This is beautiful. He's going to talk about agape here. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. There's our word. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I'm, I'm reminded of we love because he first loved us. Well, same thing with forgiveness. And above all these, put on love. And that is, that is the word agape, this loving without reciprocity. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient. But back to Colossians 3. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonish, admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It is unloving to be impatient. We have a wonderful opportunity here to love well, to love each other well by exercising, by deploying patience. It is silly, even ungodly, even sinful to shun patience. One of the beauties of our study of the attributes of God is this notion of how it changes our lives. I see this so clearly. We see this very clearly in Ephesians 5.1. Therefore, be imitators of God. We have to know God to imitate him, don't we? Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Where, where do we see that again? Well, we saw that in Romans 12, a living sacrifice. 
we, we should recall God's infinite patience with us, much like the fact that he first loved us. When we want to be impatient with one who's wronged us, we should think about this. Or, or somebody who's just annoyed us, we get annoyed so easily. But some people say, oh, I'm, I'm just an impatient person. Well, if you are, you're not focusing on the attributes of God. I've been an impatient person for seasons of my life, and it's shameful. You're not just wired that way. I, I know some people think we are, and, and, and it can appear that some people are, and, and some people act like they are, but this practicing of patience is something that we're commanded to do. And the way we do it is by focusing on what God has done for us, this attribute of his. I'm reminded of the parable of the man who was forgiven, but didn't forgive the one who owed him. Remember that one? The arrogance of our impatience is in a very real sense, a denial of the character of God. It is idolatry, as we've discussed. All of our sin is idolatry. That is putting something else ahead of God, our own wishes, our own desire for, for retribution. We aren't just wired this way. We don't really have to struggle with the application of this one. This section of Ephesians 5 makes this clear. Be imitators of God. We, we, don't, we don't have to struggle with how do we apply this. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That, that is clear. That is a, a, just about the clearest imperative in all of Scripture. The patience of God, think about it, is revealed in his dealing with sinners. This was demonstrated as he waited before the flood. You probably don't think of it this way, but he waited over 120 years. First uh, Peter 3, verse 20, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. We see this again in Rome, when the Gentiles worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Paul talks about this in Romans 1. They became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. They, they clearly perceived his eternal attributes, his invisible attributes, Paul says ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so they're without excuse. They knew God, but did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And then down in verse 24, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts. Verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. This, this, this darkening or, or, or hardening of hearts is ominous. But think about this for a minute. Instead of exterminating these rebellious people that Paul's talking about, God allowed them to continue and even bless them. We know the story from history. Paul's discussion of justification by faith, of God's propitiation for the sins of man, there being no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, of our adoption, our being joint heirs with Christ, our future glory in him, all of this and more follows this description of immorality by Paul in Romans 1 and even the moralism of chapter two. We should just let that sink in for a minute. God is patient with sinners. We're not to presume upon his patience, but he is patient with sinners. He's patient with us. He has been patient with me.
Aren't you thankful that the text in Romans 1 doesn't say, and they were instantly crushed by God or they were eternally damned? I look back at my life, my own life. Well, look at Acts 14 just for a second, verse 16. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. We, we tend to think of God as this karma manager, as I mentioned before. This, this view misses the beauty of his essence. Some people call this his common grace. I look at my own life, as I mentioned. I, I think about, oh, tragically, two decades of my life where I lived for myself. God was patient and kind and is patient, kind, merciful, gracious, loving, toward me. He's not slack, but but he is patient. He is steadfast. Look at Israel. I find is the study of Israel fascinating. Some of the scripture there can be tedious to read, but he tolerated Israel's wandering for 40 years and even after they entered Canaan when the, when they followed the you know the evil idolatrous customs of other nations, even when God chastened them, he did not destroy them. He delivered them through others. He spared them for many years before he allowed them to go into slavery in Babylon. After they crucified Jesus Christ, 40 years later, in fact, God punished them with the Romans. And this was only after they had basically judged themselves unworthy of everlasting life. We see that in Acts chapter 13. We, we even see this with, with God's patience with the world today. God is openly despised. Sin is rampant. God's law is ignored and even loathed. And, and even man's ideology is, is a corrupt, self-focused, godless attempt to go for it because this is all there is. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it an amazing testimony to his patience that he doesn't, that he hasn't instantly stricken those who defy him? executed them as he did sometimes in scripture. Ananias and Sapphira would think so. We often wonder, don't we, why he doesn't devour those who are particularly hideous, blasphemous offenders against him, heretical offenders. Even among professing Christians, we we need only look at current news stories of all sorts of sin being tolerated and practiced in the name of Jesus Christ. Why does God not stop all of this at once, we sometimes say? There's only one answer. He's patient. He's loving. He's gracious. He's merciful. And so on. What if God, Romans 9.22 says, to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. We read this just a few minutes ago. In order to make known the riches of his glory. He seeks his glory, doesn't he, through us. God's patience with me is scandalous. It's stunning. A.W. Pink says, God patiently bears with us in our sin. He's gracious and gives us a place in his family, an eternal inheritance and glory, and yet we thank him little and repay him so poorly. Our gratitude is shallow and our obedience is reluctant at best. God is pleased to demonstrate his patience toward us. Look at the beauty 
of this passage in 2 Peter 3.9. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance is a change of mind from turning from sin to God. This doctrine, this this attribute of God should soften our hearts and make our consciences tender. It should cause us to submit to divine sovereignty and to continue doing good. We see the pattern. We see the way we should view God's attributes. We're, We're exhorted by Jesus Christ to bless those who curse us, love our enemies, and do good to those who hate us. God's, God tolerates the wicked patiently despite the multitude of their sins. But we often seek revenge after just one offense. We're like that parable of the man whose debt was forgiven, aren't we? John Owen said, Want of a due consideration of him with whom we have to do, measuring him by that line of our own imaginations, bringing him down unto our thoughts and ways, is the cause of all of our disquietments, our uneasiness, our taking away tranquility or anxiety. Notice how quickly your anger, my anger, rises when we're offended. We would have grown impatient with people like us long ago. And although we know better, we easily think of God as if his thoughts and ways match our thoughts and ways. We talked about anthropomorphism, assigning human characteristics, ascribing human characteristics to God. Thankfully, they don't. Isaiah 55, 9, His kindness, forgiveness, and patience are not like ours. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's greatest displays of patience in Scripture are in response to our sin. God is not only patient in terms of waiting a long time, but more significantly, He shows long-suffering kindness. To sinners. He's not just slow to respond, but slow to anger. When you think about the context of that original declaration that we read back in Exodus 34, Israel had left slavery, crossed the Red Sea, and watched it swallow Egypt's army. They saw the evidence of God on a mountain of smoke and lightning, and they were covered by the blood of the covenant. And then in their first moment of freedom, They exchanged the glory of God, of the living God, holy God, for a cow, a golden calf. And judgment follows. But even then, God's judgment is restrained and it's tempered by his mercy. Psalm 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and mercy. We see that phrase again and again. We read several of those references earlier. His patience, his steadfast love endures forever. He deals with us according to his great patience. It is his patience that makes his love and other attributes steadfast. By now, we're getting the point, aren't we? Timothy says in chapter one, but I received mercy. Paul actually says to Timothy, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. 
and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, but Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul framed his story to Timothy, his testimony to Timothy, the story of his life as one of God's patience. Paul, Paul did this to encourage us that, that who think that sometimes we've outsend the patience of God. We think about the prodigal, the prodigal's father waiting on the porch. God will be patient in our lives like he was in Paul's. Though we wonder, we scorn his son, we treasure sin. We rarely give the gospel a thought, but he's patient with us today, tomorrow, and the next day, until the day of Jesus Christ when he finishes the work he has begun. Philippians 1, 6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You put his patience with all of the other things and, and, and you see that he is able. We talked about his immutability, his faithfulness. He lived on this earth as the prince of patience. Think about Jesus Christ. His ministry was one of perfect patience. He exercised patient need, patience that he needed as his enemies slandered him, as his neighbors rejected him. His disciples misunderstood him and the crowds tried to use him and eventually crucified him. Even in death, after Peter pulled his sword and cut the ear off of the servant of the high priest, he was patient. Patience is patience incarnate. He took the lashes, the thorns, the nails, allowing his creatures to mock him with the breath he gave them, holding back the judgment that he could have given them while pleading for their forgiveness. We see in the cross how his divine forbearance, in his divine forbearance, he could pass over sins. His patience will last as long as our resurrected Christ pleads the merits of his blood. Hebrews 7.25 says that that is forever. Since he always lives to make intercession for them, the writer of Hebrews says. These truths are just beautiful. I, I just have to pause and say, I hope you'll pardon my slower cadence today because I am just captured by the beauty of these texts. The, this Psalm 103 just strikes me. Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness 
to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. These promises are just simply beautiful. They give us the strength that we need. They protect us. They encourage us. They allow us to be steadfast, to be patient. He closes that psalm with, Bless the Lord, O my soul. God is patient. He is not like us. His patience does not in any way compromise his righteousness. It dignifies it, makes it more majestic. His righteousness surrounds it in his goodness. God's patience is to bring us, its purpose is to bring us to repentance. I hope this has encouraged you today. If you'd like more information, don't hesitate to write me using our contact form on our website, johnwarrenmedia.com, or send along an email directly to me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com. I hope you will subscribe to our podcast, follow us every week. I really enjoy and appreciate hearing from you, and thank you for listening. I hope this podcast is an encouragement to you. If you have other topics that you'd like to hear us talk about here, I am happy to do so. Please uh, send along a message. I look forward to continuing this series for another couple of weeks, and then we'll close this out entirely for now. But I look forward to being with you again next time. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren.